Hello, hello, hello again, everybody. And you're here listening to Sherman and Ski. We'll talk you into it. And uh, for our fourth attempt at this, Mr. Ski is going to tell us which artist we're going to talk someone into liking. So take it away, senor. Yeah, the band that we're going to talk you into is Soundgarden. And it may not take much convincing for some of you. Others, you know, we'll see. But Soundgarden came of that era of Pearl Jam and Nirvana, the Seattle sound, grunge, um, which is leaves a mark, I think, on me and Sherman because we were yeah. of that era. We went through it. Um, the shift from the hair metal bands of the 80s to the grunge of the 90s. And Soundgarden is a band that I don't want to say has get has got lost in the mix because they had a, a comeback album uh, in the late, um, you know, wh- whatever we call this decade or this past decade, 2013, 2014, um, after their heyday in the 90s. Um, but they do get a little bit lost behind Nirvana and Pearl Jam in Nirvana because they're the breakthrough band, Pearl Jam because they're right there and the longevity Soundgarden came a little behind that, I suppose, because they they went up into 1997, had a comeback album in, in 2013, 2014, um, but didn't have that same staying power that Pearl Jam did and didn't have that that cultural impact um, that Nirvana did. But if you want to talk about a band that was heavy and that, you know, defined the sound of that era um, and also had a commercial appeal because they did hit MTV. They did have success. They did have a number one album. Um, it's, I, it's Soundgarden. They, they define the sound of that era um, and, and they should be remembered. Then they should be in, in the Hall of Fame eventually. Pound for pound, there is not a better grunge vocalist. And I'm a Pearl Jam guy, but there's not a better, there's not, a, there's not anyone with the range, with the vocal range of any grunge band other than chris cornell that yeah. is not e- I, it's not even a competition i mean let's let's take it back there for a second i mean you know one of them i i don't think we're counting this but if if we if we were i know i would take it um chris cornell sings with eddie vetter and the rest of uh, the the super, the one-off supergroup Temple of the Dog. Chris Cornell's vocals are going back and forth with Eddie Vedder's um, on 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 that killer track, which of course I'm blanking on the name of because I've been drinking. No, it's Hunger Strike. Um, it's Hunger Strike, and thank the you. band is Hunger, Temple of the Dog. Of course, it's Hunger Strike. Yeah, it's no, it's and it's. I remember at the time thinking, wow, like half of Pearl Jam and half of Soundgarden, you know you know, building out uh, an, a song like that and putting out an album like that. And eventually Matt Cameron, the drummer from Soundgarden, uh, found his way into Pearl Jam um, after Soundgarden broke up. But but it, it does show you the differences between the, this, the styles of the two singers. I mean, Eddie Vedder is, you know, the Roger Daltrey school of, of, of rock vocalists. Um, Chris Cornell came back. Chris, but Chris, Cornell, what Chris Cornell was able to do is like, you know, he, you could tell that he listened to Sabbath. You could tell he listened to Judas Priest. And what's so crazy about, you know, grunge coming in soon after the Sunset Strip era of, of rock and roll and the hair metal band of that, that era is there are bands that came out of the Sunset Strip that are more tied to metal, but they're really just pop bands. And Soundgarden was the true heir apparent to Priest 
and to Sabbath, but they're alternative rock or they're, they're modern rock. But they were right? a metal band. I'm going to, I'm, I'm agreeing with yeah, you. I'm no, talking I, over you a little bit, but like they were a metal agreed, band. Agreed. hundred percent. hundred percent. They were the thinking man's like, like the thinking metal band fans like favorite. Like they were that crossover, right? There's always crossovers. Let's talk about crossovers. Let's talk about the fact that there's always those like some bands where they're like, they like, they can go, they can, they, they somehow there's a Venn diagram and they're the ones in the middle, right? Like grunge and metal, middle, Soundgarden. With Soundgarden, and what's, it's so funny about this and why the, I think it's so bizarre, this sort of like, you know, grunge was a new era. It was a, a different sound. It, it was all of that. But it's also, it's just, it was just a different scene. And I don't understand why in some cases Soundgarden is more associated with um, the Seattle scene than they should be with the Judas Priest of the world and with the Metallicas of the world and uh, with the Black Sabbaths of the world. They're, they're closer to that, but because they were from Seattle and they come of that era and probably the clothes they wore on that stage, they're part of yeah, the grunge think, scene, right? And Right, there's a clothing, there's a clothing thing. There could be, I'm just going to throw this out there as a balloon, it could be the kinds of drugs that they were using, each band's. Like, you, you're talking about Soundgarden. Yeah. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, all heroin. All heroin, whether it's Pacific Northwest or not, like, like that's what, that's what those, those bands are kind of, uh, unfortunately, uh, are really known, known to have fall victim to. And, and there's that heavier, more like syrupy sound. Um, again, I love that stuff. So the, the, the sound, not the, <laughs> but like, but you talk about, but Guns N' Roses, right? Guns N' Roses is freaking cocaine i mean it's like speed it's like guns and roses poison uh you know uh, any of those type of um you know uh, uh, honestly poppier band warrant i mean like they were party bands like they were party bands like cocaine party like i feel like soundgarden alice and chains were like sit at home it's 50 degrees out uh, you're wearing the flannel the breeze is coming through and you're problem that you know you're you're it's a different kind of it's it's a different it's not a party it's not party music no. you know like it's it's brooding it's brooding music no and i think we're looking at it from like the same thing with two different perspectives and i i think you know with the warrants of the world and the poisons of the world it that that was one part of the sunset strip and then you had guns and they're just heavier but they weren't quite what soundgarden ultimately was because soundgarden just it was a different part of the country and they they didn't they didn't have that like you know we're going to come to LA and just become rock stars they just you know they, they were a band that wanted to kick your ass when they played and it's funny because then bands of that era became successful and for bands of the sunset strip absolutely why shouldn't we be successful let's roll in it but it, that was that was hard for soundgarden that was hard for nirvana obviously um, and even Pearl Jam dealt with that. And they Alfred Chase had and what we lost is that the Sunset Strip bands are you know, still want to do reunion tours, even after they said that they weren't gonna come back together and they're still Motley Crew. How we not how we've ignored Motley Crew. I know I've been trying not because I'm a huge crew fan. I could do a podcast just on Motley Crew. I'm taking nothing away from them. But bands from Seattle struggled with the fame and struggled with wait a minute, we're successful. Is, is this right? Whereas the Sunset Strip bands, they loved it. They're all about that. Absolutely, we're going to do the limos. We're going to do the arenas. 
And the sound right. gardens of the world struggle with that. And we're so snort after, co- we're snorting coke off of and then after moves. like yeah, yeah, yeah so they didn't they stopped after ninety seven when they should have gone on and they should have had. And to their credit, and I criticized Pearl Jam at the time, and I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan for not doing the videos and not doing the big promotion. And they took a step back and like, now we're just going to put out the albums. We're not going to do all of that. And they're still around. I mean, they're still putting out records and they put out a great new record right now. How is that? How is Gigaton? I think it's, 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 it's great. And it's, they're, they're a band now freed of expectations of, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have a hit. You gotta get back on MTV. No, they absolutely pivoted. Yeah. And so we, I think we've talked about this before. We're like, you know, I've loved, I love the late era Pearl Jam albums for that reason, because they were freed of all of that and they could just be who they are and put out great songs and they they can still do that. And Soundgarden put out a great reunion album um, before Chris Cornell died. And yeah, it's the shame is like there should have been more, there should have been more of that. So what's your first pick? The first one is Jesus Christ pose after bad mood finger. And um, when I, when I got into lobbying and I don't know for the sake of this podcast, I shouldn't talk too much about my career, but when I would get into, um, <laughs> when I, when I had, Why to, do you make, when I had to make transition to going from, you know, working uh, on the Hill and then having to do the work that I'm doing now, I put together a mix and Jesus Christ post was on there. And one of the reasons is aside from what I was actually doing riff heavy, Guitar heavy, the bass and drum, the rhythm section of Matt Cameron and Ben Shepard is exactly that. It's just heavy. And you put Kim Thale's guitar on top of that, and you're Kim and you're you're Thale. in it. And oh. what I love about him is that he he can do the he can do the solos. He can do like the blistering solos that you it would expect from that era. Oh. But then he does the heavy riffs too. Um, like Kirk Hammett from Metallica, just heavy riffs. And then you have Chris Cornell, as you yeah. talked about, like one of the great vocalists of all time. And his range is out of this world. Oh, my world, God. And he can go up there and he can kill you. Like, how did he do? How did he hit that note? And then he's going to come down there, you know, and he's going to hit you there. And with a Jesus Christ pose, the lyrics were on point. I didn't realize that until I read up about this week that the video for that was banned from MTV at one point. I, so, like I remember that, but yeah, if like, yeah. and it wasn't like one of the first songs I fell in love with was Soundgarden. That's one that I, I come back to time and time again. It defined the sound of that band because it's so heavy, because it's so rich, and the guitars explode at you. And Chris Cornell does exactly what you, what you expect him to do, and his range is unlike, it, it's unlike Eddie Vedder, um, and unlike anybody else of that it's era. The best um, range, so. It's the best ring. It's again, I said earlier, I'll say it again. I think I agree. I'm agreeing, uh, talking over you, but I'm agreeing. Uh, <laughs> it's it, it just, I think he has, I, I think he has the most incredible range of any of those grunge singers. I want to go to the Kim Thale yeah. thing for a second. And because before I forget, um, uh, obviously, uh, I can't agree more, uh, uh, in terms of my, the assessment of him as a guitarist, but, um, oh my God. Why don't people talk about him more in the same breath as other legendary guitarists? Because he does stuff. 
gonna there's a lot of Alice in Chains and Soundgarden things that I'll probably bring up at the same time because I feel like they are in that second tier uh, after Nirvana and Pearl Jam that those are the unequivocal like rock heavyweights of that era uh, and then like the sub the subset that people respect are Alice in Chains and Soundgarden right right, right. there um, I think I think Stone Temple Pilots should be right there too but like they get dismissed quite That's a often. whole other podcast. Whole I have some thoughts other, there. It's a whole there. <laughs> other thing because I have a lot of thoughts. And, and that's as a fan. Likewise. Uh, a big same, fan. A big, same. big, big fan. But so I want to get into a, a, like a, a bit of a sidebar here. But to speak about Kim Thale's guitar work, it's like it, it, like he it's exactly what you were describing. He can. Yeah, he can do that rat-a-tat-tat stuff that's the same way where Metallica, the Metallica guys are just like blowing through it. And you're just like, I don't even know how fast you're going. But he, he does take things from like the Clapton, Neil Young kind of vibe where he can solo. And that is where I think Soundgarden is greater than Alice in Chains. I think Alice in Chains' best work is when actually Jerry Cantrell does more of that strumming thing and kind of like brings it back and it's more rhythmic and it's not a knock. It's just different styles, but like Kim Thale could do an aria yeah. with the guitar, you know, and that's, and that's one of those things that I think he must be like a jerk with the press or not want any attention or like something, because I don't understand why he doesn't get more attention it's, and respect maybe he does in the guitar playing community and i just not aware of it but like you just don't hear about that you like you hear about matt cameron strumming all the time you you hear about chris cornell's incredible vocals as as you should but it feels like how is the how is kim thale's guitar work it's that, I, no, i'm, like, I'm so glad you brought that up a little weird i was watching um a clip from Lollapalooza of in the early 90s of jesus christ posed and most of the video is focused on Chris Cornell and it's actually kind of focused on Ben Shepard, the bassist as well. And Ben is doing everything in the world with his bass and his body and he's moving around. And so the camera is focused on him. Kim Thales in the background, just playing and he's just wailing and like, he's not moving that much. And I don't know if that's part of it. It's like, you know, he did what he had to do to produce that sound, which is insane. But, you know, on stage, he's not, running around on stage he's not you know doing theatrics he's just he's just wailing he's just shredding and maybe that's part of it because even like mike mccready from pearl jam is a shredder and he'll you know do his thing on the stage but stone gosser the other guitarist is a little bit more on the kim thale side of things where he's in the kind of the background you know just he's wailing he's a great guitar player but he's not front and center and it's weird now because now he and ben and matt cameron carry the legacy of the band um, and they should, and I don't think they're ever going to go back on tour with a different singer because you can't replace Chris Cornell, but he should get more recognition because the guy could shred and he could do things with a guitar that you wouldn't expect. You wouldn't think you would hear, you know, from a metal band like that. Um, but he, he, he produced those sounds. So I am going to make my first pick here. Honestly, the easiest answer I could give, like if you want to get into Soundgarden, just buy Super Unknown and be done with it. Like, I mean, because there's not a track on here. Like you start from Let Me Drown and go all the way to like Suicide. And like, it, it all sounds like what Soundgarden should sound like to me. The song I picked is The love Day it. I Tried to no, Live. I love that pick. Um, which is the 10th song on the album. Um, it soars. It is... Um, 
it builds it, it it has that that killer bass and then kim's guitar comes in just like with yeah. that searing like um buzzsaw kind of thing um the drum like i maybe it's this is a thing that i i find to be emblematic of the way that i look at this project of us talking about these songs man uh I love when mm -hmm. I hear each individual piece. I talked about it with the Duran Duran thing. I love when I can do that. And A Day I Tried to Live does that. It has some isolated instrumentation that happens and then builds to crescendo. And then it fades at the end in this like beautiful um, coming down the mountain. You know, it's like you're, you know, you have all of these elements that bring you to these high points that are loud and slamming and desperate. Chris Cornell's vocals are desperate. That I love that about about Soundgarden, like when you're hearing it, he you, he's never gonna break because he's so operatic with the way oh, that for he sure. does it. But like when when all of the pieces, when all four pieces are moving in the same direction and hitting the same right spots, what I don't believe it's production. Now I never saw Soundgarden in concert, so I actually can't vouch for them like from an in person standpoint, but. The day I tried to live is just has a chorus and it's just loud and it's just grinding. And then like, and there's that moment where yeah. like they take it down for a second for the bridge. And then Chris Cornell is like, should I stay in bed or whatever? Like, I mean, you're just like, what? <laughs> like I just ruined it for people, but like, it's so great. And it's, 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 it's like you're watching someone in the Olympics it's like, like to me, listening to this song is like watching someone break at least like a U.S. record, if not a world record, in the Olympics, of of metal yeah. hard rock, right? Like it, it's, it, and it's heavy, but it's and it's melodic, and you give a shit, and it's just great. And 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 if and if it was if someone said to me, pick a, pick your first song that would make you say, I want to hear it, like. I want to hear more of that. It's the day I tried to live. I love that pick because of, like, you Super talked Man. about the elements of a song. You can hear the band in each element of the song. And after he's, Chris Cornell sings, the day I tried to live, there's a, a guitar riff there. It is, is brief, but that's what I thought of when he said that. It's like, and it's, again, it's Kim Thale and you know Matt Cameron. It is. Not, that's Zeppelin, a right? Like, you know, There's a lot of Zeppelin up, in like, this. Yeah. They fill in the blanks so well, like, because they have one of the best rock singers of all time. And then when he stops, and it's, it's just a brief moment. Um, but I loved about that pick because, and you said about the elements of the band, because there's an element there. It's, it, it's, it's brief. And then he, he sings again, but that's what I think of it when I think of Soundgarden. And it, it, it just gets you. It's like it drags you in. Like, oh, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more of that. What else you got? Let me hear some more. It is, yeah. It's almost orchestrated, right? Like, it's like, it, it, I don't even want to say produced because that's not even, I mean, maybe the producer is the one that did it, right? Uh, it was uh, mixed by Brendan O'Brien, who's done a bunch of stuff, but it, was, but it was produced by Soundgarden themselves and some guy named Michael Beinhorn who may be huge and famous. I'm sorry if you listen to that. I didn't my apologies. But like, yeah, the, right. Like and here. thank you for listening. Uh, but like, what? But like, but like, uh, but honestly, like, like it, it, that, I mean, uh, people who listen to classical music often cross over into metal 
and listen to metal because it's complicated music because it's not it's not simple and there's arias and there's movements and there's different things and sometimes there's strings in metal and 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 again like it's deliberate yeah. you know they're doing it on purpose and and they're doing it for effect and it freaking works and i think it works spectacularly on this song so excuse well, i can't track, believe so. you know you just said third track because the third track off that album is Spell on Black Days, and that's my song. <laughs> so I'm picking yes. that one, the third track off that nice. album. Look, I mean, I really I really want I really want to that's pick a something must. off of I was on my list. Upside, their last album of the nineties, um, because you have Pretty Noose is there, you know, Zero Pretty Noose is, is good. There, Pretty Noose is very there, good. Blow up the outside world. And I wanted to like go beyond Bad Motor Finger, and I figured you'd pick something off as of super unknown. But look, if you want to like look at a song where you know it was typical of that era and typical of that scene of the quiet and the loud fell on black days chris cornell goes from the low quiet voice to how would i know and it 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 breaks it breaks every rule um they really are these are they, twin tracks they are these are essentially twin tracks. twin tracks yeah and i mean if you look i mean and i'm still of the mtv era and so the the dark black and white video, I think, is um, one of their best. And so, yeah, I, I, I go back to this one because it's it's as heavy as Jesus Christ pose, um, but it, it's, it, it starts off softer and it's quieter and then it explodes and it's loud. You get that you get that Soundgarden sound. You get that Soundgarden heavy uh, rhythm section and the vocal from Chris is amazing as always. And Kim, you know, does his work. Um, but it's also Kim's guitar work at the beginning of the song when it is quiet and it's so simple and so basic. Um, but it, it sets the stage for, you know, what it becomes and, you know, just one of their best songs. So it hits it out of the ballpark. Um, and I, I, I wanted to pick something off of the, the third album, the next album. Um, but I just kept coming kept back to this one because it's so heavy. It's so real. It's so raw. Um, and it, it, it defined the band. And so, and it became one of their MTV hits, um, but that should take nothing away from it because it's, it's one of their best. I love on Black Days. Um, the lyrics are terrific. The way the song builds are fantastic. Um, you know, you just, you feel things when you listen to Chris sing and that Kim brings it up with the guitars and just yeah. Matt just keeps Matt and Ben just, you know, keep it, keep, keep everything together in that great way that a rhythm section can keep a killer vocalist and a great guitarist from floating off into oblivion. I'm looking at you, REM. So I, I'm saying that from a lyric perspective, like when he says, things like so what you wanted to see good has made you blind and what you wanted to be yours has made it mine so don't lock up something that you want to see fly hands are for shaking not tying i mean i sure don't mind a change it it's dark it's brooding yeah it's it thuds it it's it's phenomenal stuff great pick would have been was one of the ones i was thinking about the hardest part i've had with this task to be honest with you, man, is that yeah, no, it's, it's, I just it's, love Super it's, it's a good so one. Yeah. And, no, it's, and it, it's classic. The, the lyric is just thinking mm, about him and where he, don't. what happened. <laughs> the fact that, I don't know, how would I know that this could be my fate? How would I know this could be my, like, 
those bands, they struggled with fame. They struggled with success and they struggled with, you know, well, Smashing Pumpkins had Bullet with Butterfly Wings, you know, the spite of my rage, I'm still just a rat in the cage. And I love the fact that bands went there and they, they put that out there that I'm, I'm not, I'm not always into this. Like I want to, I want to entertain you. I want to, you know, do tours. I want to put out albums, you know, put out songs, but it's, it's still hard. And they got some blowback for that. Um, but I, to me, it, it's, it's, it's real. And it, it's, it's who they were at that time. And it, it says so much more now because we don't have Chris anymore. And how would I know that this could be my fate? So it's just, it, it, it rings true. And, um, you know, one, one of their best songs and, um, yeah, I, I just wish we had more. I wish we had more from that band and their return album, um, 2013, 2014, again, was, it was great. And so, yeah, th- there should have been more. They are of that era. They uh, epitomize the sound. And I, I truly still think that Super Unknown is the best. I know. It was I close. It, it was close for me, too. Yeah. I thought about it. I can't do it. Um, I thought about Get on the Snake. So good. No, it's, it's a great it's song. Funny, like, it's funny. I like had listened to Louder Than Love really a long good. time. I listened to Those... it this week, and I wrote I wrote that down to Get on the Snake. So I get wrote on the that snake down. Like, Holy crap, I forgot about this. <laughs> get on the Snake will be on the – Get on the Snake will be on the Spotify yeah. list because, like, it is it is dope. And, like, now we're talking, like, it's a 30-year-old song, which makes me old. But whatever. It's a 30, 31-year-old song. Get on the stake is great, but it's no. But I, just, that's, that's I gotta go classic. with my wave. I gotta go with my wave, which is I, this is the one song off of this record, off of the Soundgarden uh, of Super Unknown. Uh, it's the second song. It's right before Fell in Black Days. This is the sunniest song on that record, and it has like this surf guitar thing that Kim kind of throws up there, and and obviously lyrically it's the same thing, but like. This is the poppiest. I, I think it's the poppiest song on the album. Um, so I might be doing a little bit of Homer pick here because it's not really what you would call a classic Soundgarden sound. Actually, almost every other song that I've brought up is a way more like what you would say. Okay, this uh, embodies Soundgarden, but I just always love my wave, and like I will air guitar to my wave at any point. And at least when it gets to the chorus, like it does kind of slam, like it's, it's a little poppy and then it slams. And then it has this kind of like, like, um, I don't know. How do you put it? It's like, um, uh, at the very end of the song, it has this coda almost where it's like, where like yeah. Kim just kind of goes off like little thing. Right, right, and then, but then, like, but like, and it, like, it kind of gets a little spacey at the end, and then there's a like wow, wow thing at the bottom, and and they got into that a little bit, a little psychedelic, I guess, a little, no, like, I think, you know, yeah, for no, lack of a better yeah. phrase, it gets a little psychedelic, and 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 uh, it, it it is it is the hookiest thing on the album, you know, um, you really can't go wrong with anything off of Super Unknown anyway, uh, but. But you know, a bit of a bit of a bit of a more upbeat number for them. It goes against everything we've been saying for the last forty minutes. No, but, but even though uh, I love it's, my wave, and yeah, one of their more melodic second. songs off of the album and of you know their their catalog, it's still like the chorus or sorry, the, the the verses still have just that that classic sound, you know, with the bass and drums and Kim's guitar, um, you know, heavy 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 rhythm section. 
great riff. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it fuels the song great and, riff. and Kim and Kim just keeps blaring away. And then Chris takes what he, you know, with his vocal and, 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 and takes it to another level. So I think it's still like one of their best songs of that era. And of like, yeah, they're probably their, their best album. Um, and something that I've never missed. And it's funny because then it does lead into fell on black days and it, but it's perfect and it fits. It just fits. It goes right into fell on black days and it works because it's still that classic sound garden sound uh, with the riff and the, the rhythm section um, and Chris just, you know, killing it. So I think it's an awesome pick. <laughs> I could do we talk about fourth half of July. and like a suicide too. Yeah, no, a kickstand. Oh no, the day I tried to live. I don't know. Like we just do like the whole thing. We do the whole album. <laughs> I know, but well, day I tried to live. Well, I already picked day I tried to live. Like Fourth of July is like Fourth of July is so heavy. It's like sludge, and it's just so good. Uh, it's uh, it's one of those it's, like uh, and then yeah, a Spoon Man, it's so good. Black Hole Sun. Like I I just remember like listen, listening to Black Hole Sun a ton. Mm. Um, because that was another one of their MTV hits, and justifiably so. Yeah, and like I would, and I would that never was pick it. that to be I like mean, for this podcast. But I, what's the last time you saw the video years. for Black Hole Sun? But I, at the time, daily. <laughs> you know, oh, oh no, it was I. No, it was. Oh. <laughs> No, it was on. It was on like, you know, every every two hours for a year and a half. And then but uh, I don't remember there was, uh, must have been it was on the ringer again. I know it, I, I feel like I bring them up all the time, but but there was uh, a reappreciation. I guess it must have been like a 25th anniversary sometime in last year where they talked about the video to Black Hole Sun. And uh, it oh, was yeah. tremendous. I think it was one of those like oral histories or something where they were saying like, here's an oral history of the, like the making of the black hole sun video or whatever. And, and, and it was great because like, I went back and watched a video for the first time in at least 15 years. You know what I mean? It's not that I don't know the song, but like you forget like how messed up the video was. And like everybody, everything's fake. Everyone's plastic. Everything's melting. And like, when you're angsty and like in your, late teens early 20s like and and you know like and, and it was a visually arresting video because of the way they did the filters on it like well like and, I, yeah oh my god I, I mean, forget it it was like, a I smash mean, like, hit and you're right the video was smash hit. world and it's funny because at that time that was probably my favorite song uh, off of the album and i still love it but when we were talking about doing this podcast it was way down on my list because like, no, there's, there's so many other songs that I would want to point to. And you hit it with the day I tried to live. You hit it with my wave. It's, there's so many other songs that you could point to. Like that's, if you're going to be a Soundgarden fan, that those are the songs that are going to get you into, get you into Soundgarden. Black Hole Sun is still there, but Black Hole Sun is for me is more of a song from, you know, the time and place of where we were and, you know, watching the video every, like I said, I saw it every day for probably, a year and a half and haven't seen it since. Are there any tracks? I think I've, I've brought up everyone I've listed, which was day. I tried to live. Um, you said black days. I said my wave. Um, I didn't have Jesus Christ pose. Yeah. We talked about no, outshine. We talked about, you know, off of get on the love, snake, which gun, is great. Uh, but, uh, what are we missing? Mom, which is 
blew me away. Again, like I hadn't listed Louder Than Love in a long time. And I was like writing them down. Like, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait, what? What, what was that again? You know, so Gun, uh, Get on the Snake, as you said, full on Kevin's mom uh, off of Louder Than Love. And then off of Down on the Upside, which is like, I, it doesn't get a lot of attention because it was the last album. It didn't have the same, um, you know, I guess hits for in the Soundgarden perspective, but um, Burn in My Hand is up there. So that, you know, people should go, go back and listen to that one as well. So, um, but Pretty News, we already talked about Run I like that track. So I like that track. Zero yeah. Chance. I like that track. Um, yeah, uh, they, they just had so many. Um, and then off of the last album, their comeback album, Been Way Too Long. It's just, it's it's a it's a classic Soundgarden sound, you know. It went too long. Was good. I remember just, that. Yeah, they should have had more of that. So it's um, it's a shame. All right, well, uh, listeners, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Um, you can always email us for suggestions. Uh, Shermanandski at gmail dot com. Uh, I set up the Instagram account today, so hopefully that'll get rocking. Uh, Ski. No, I mean final words. Delve pick, back into you that. The, catalog. You get the final button. Uh, Go. Uh, dive back in that catalog i should say um soundgarden is a band that should be in the rock and roll hall of fame i think they got a nomination last year um but if you want a heavy riff rock you know with a vocalist that can go to places that you didn't think a vocalist could go to that that's soundgarden and um i wish they had another chance to hit the main stage at a, a bunch of festivals a bunch of shows but um yeah, those classic records are still heavy and you can rediscover hits like we did this week. So um, dive back into that catalog. Rock on. <laughs>